All right, hey guys, welcome to the C45 podcast with John and George. In this series, we'll be sharing facts and information from various industry experts, and we'll discuss a variety of topics relevant to the cannabis producers of all sizes. I myself have designed, built, and consulted for more than 300 grows around the globe. My specialty is all the equipment used to grow cannabis in a greenhouse, uh, indoor and even outdoor now. And I'm John. George and I are the founders of Growhouse Supply Co. We're a cannabis-centric distributor, currently dealing with 120 LPs across the country, offering a variety of different product lines. Uh, our goal is to provide education and value and service to our customers, and that really spawned this podcast. We couldn't be happier today to be talking about something that's not only topical in the cannabis industry, but also in the world in general, and that's cleaning and disinfecting. Uh, we have as our first guest on the show ever, Troy Henderson from Virox Technologies, who has brought to market Shield, which is the first and only Health Canada registered one-step cleaning and disinfecting product on label for use in cannabis facilities. Troy and I have spent a lot of time together in the last year and a half introducing Shield to the marketplace. Uh, currently working with over 100 LPs, we've converted from uh, pre-existing chemistries that they're using for a lot of the reasons we're going to talk about today. Uh, we're lucky to have Troy today. Uh, he has a biotechnology degree from the Faculty of Engineering at McMaster University, and we're really happy to spend some time with him and have him share his knowledge about cleaning, disinfecting, and some of the pitfalls and education gaps that we see out there. Okay, guys, so here we are. First ever Cannabis 45 podcast. We're with George and John. We're here with Troy Henderson from Virox. Uh, today we're going to talk about sanitation, disinfection, some cleaning products, how LPs actually clean their facilities, and uh, what he's seeing in the industry. So welcome. Thanks, Thanks for man. having me. Excited to be here. Yeah. Welcome, Troy. Yeah, cleaning and disinfecting is uh, really important for camp facilities. It's uh, not only regulated by the, the Cannabis Act for licensed producers, but it's directly related and affects the quality of uh, producers' yields and quality of the products that they're making. So it's a really important topic. And... Uh, um, we are really involved in this space uh, from our perspective with Growhouse. So we see uh, a lot of the uh, education gaps and some of the lack of, uh, of really true knowledge around this, this topic here. So having you here today from Virox is, is great. Uh, we can really dig deep into uh, uh, providing a lot of real true information education to people out there when yeah. they're making decisions around the cleaning and disinfectant products they need. So, so yeah. why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, Virox, how it started, products? Uh, sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I was in school uh, taking biotechnology at McMaster, and we had a mandatory co-op. Um, just pretty much stood up, looked everywhere, stood up on my hockey uh, change room, asked around, and uh, my goalie was brothers with Randy Pilon, who was the owner of Virox at the time, and he gave me an opportunity to, to start in the research and development department for a summer. Uh, I went back for another eight months in quality assurance, so really got to learn a lot of the behind the scenes of the company, learned about the formulas we make and the, the specs, the quality of the product. Uh, then I transitioned into product strategy and marketing, uh, where that's where we started to look at different markets, developing different products for those markets. Uh, so a little background about Virox. Uh, so we're about a 21-year-old company outside of Oakville, Ontario. That's where all of our products are made. Uh, and we have a patented technology called Accelerated Hydrogen Peroxide, or, or well-known as AHP. Um, so we took off in about 2000, uh, 2002, 2003 during the SARS outbreak is really uh, gave us another foot forward there. So since then, a lot of hospitals have adopted about 90% in North America. Uh, and then we took a different approach. You know, there's other markets that need disinfectants and need the education that we provide. So instead of having a one size fits all product, we really looked at the other markets, for example, dentistry, and what do they need? What are they using now? How can we tweak our, our formulas and our patents to, to help them out? So we, we, we branched off into dentists, to animal health, 
spas and salons. Uh, you know, we have wipes on the space station by, with NASA. Uh, and then, you know, three years ago when I was actually in the product strategy and product development kind of role, we were looking at new markets. And cannabis at the time was just at the forefront of becoming legal. And that's when we started to look at what they need. Like we had some actually facilities using our products. We were able to reach out to and learn how they were using it maybe why that product they were using wasn't the best, and we were able to tweak it, work with them to really develop the optimum product, which is Shield. So is so is the cannabis product Shield a little bit different than the other products in other markets? For sure, yeah. So one thing that is really important in cannabis is actually the cleaning uh, part of the whole step. So removing those soils. I'm sure you can imagine if you're growing with soil, there's going to be a lot left in the, the room and the floor. Uh, and throughout the whole process, even you know if you're extracting, you're going to have a lot of oil and resins. Uh, on the floor, on your machine, uh, packaging as well. So we really want to have a product that, you know, is a great disinfectant. And that's a key characteristics of our of our technology, but also was a really good cleaner. And that's our main difference of Shield compared to, uh, per se, one of our products in a hospital. With Shield being registered with Health Canada with a DIN number, um, what other products are facilities using for their disinfecting and cleaning? We see a, a wider range of products, and uh, like I mentioned, there is a DIN number on Shield, so that's kind of the one what's thing. It, what's a DIN? Sorry. A DIN number, uh, so it's a drug identification number. Basically, that is your Health Canada approval. So okay. uh, disinfectants are treated very similar to drugs, so we have to submit all of our toxicity data, our efficacy data, which, you know, proving that we can kill what our label says we can kill. Um, you know, a lot of data generation, and when you show that to Health Canada, if, if it's all good and it passes their, um, their criteria, then you'll get a, a DIN number. So all three of our, our different SKUs, we have a, a ready-to-use liquid, a wipes, and a concentrate. They all have different DIN numbers because they are different products. So they don't just hand them out? They do not just hand them out. This was, you know, typically you're looking at, uh, you know, eight to nine months just for Health Canada to review your data. Before that, you could be, you know, two years of data generation, even two years before that of even formulating the product. Um, but for Shield, even for an example, just because we made it for cannabis uh, and there is a lot of language on there specific to that, it actually took over a year with Health Canada. They came back asking, you know, uh, what do you mean by cleaning belly pans or scales? They, they really didn't have the best idea of it and it, it did take a little bit longer. So even though you had DINs on other products in other industries, it's separate? Yep, different formula, different products. Uh, even the brand name, we've had other, other markets where you know, we'll, we'll put a brand name out there, uh, for example, one called Rejuvenate, which in the U.S. is a product we have for spas and salons. Health Canada didn't want that because um, it could be confused as a skin product, you know, especially as a wipe. So <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can see where they come from. You, you, if, you know, even if you took this exact product and made a name that Health Canada didn't like, they wouldn't approve it. So that's more than just the technology. A lot of it is actually what is on your label. Everything you say on your label, you have to have proof that that is true and that is the way it can be used. Yeah. Yeah, so how many facilities across the country have adopted Shield in the last 12 to 14 months since you came to market with it? Yeah, so I think it's probably just around a year, not even a year, and we're in over 100 facilities right now, and we're talking to our next 50 to 60. Um, and these facilities range from micro cultivators to home growers to the large guys you see publicly traded and are in the news, you know, that you'd be familiar with. Oh, nice. cool. Yeah. So home growers even, you mentioned home growers. So... Even though you're predominantly selling to the big guys, the LPs or licensed producers, you, you're saying that it's just as important at home, right? Maybe maybe we should talk about what, why is it important to keep your grow facility clean, whether it's a grow tent at home or a 2 million square foot LP in Canada. 
for sure. Well, I think the, the one thing John mentioned, if you're a licensed facility, you do have the regulations to adhere to. You know, they're not exactly uh, cut in stone and they're, they're a little bit vague, so there is some work to do there. But, um, you know, one that's the one thing you want to make sure Health Canada is happy with what you're doing. But you also want to protect the yield of your crops. You know, one thing uh, that we see a lot is like a clone success rate. And we have some customers that are as high as 99%. And clone success rate is basically for every clone that you you, you put in a pot and you plan to grow, how many of those are actually to get to the end of the, the process. Mm -hmm. So you, you obviously, you want a higher number. Uh, a lot of the times we'll go in there and facilities might say 70%. And that's, they're proud of that. They got that up from 50, which is great, but you're still losing 30% of your crop. And a lot of that does come down to sanitation, disinfection, and cleaning. Um, it's not the whole piece. You have to be careful of your HVAC and your overall process. But with a proper uh, disinfection, biosecurity, sanitation program, uh, you can really protect your crops. And we have a lot of evidence of that. So, so what kind of things can you... So as a former grower, I've uh, been in the industry a long time. Obviously, with cannabis, you're looking at botrytis uh, or bud rot, uh, powdery mildew. You've got... Pythium, Phytophthora, some of those are the, the four that you see as a big challenge um, in, in growing cannabis. Like, do, will, this, will this help with those three, four, five things that are bothering these growers? For sure it would, yeah. And, you know, it's, it's also a matter of how you use the product as well. Like, uh, you know, the, pro the product itself will, will get rid of it, but it's, it's, it's how the, the, those pathogens are transferred. So when you're looking at powdery mildew, it's going to be absolutely everywhere in your room. Um, so you're going to have to make sure you clean your walls, your floors, under your tables, you know, really get everywhere. If you're looking at, you know, botrytis, you make sure you're cleaning your pots or you're disposing them properly. Um, in the, we see a lot of the times I've seen botrytis uh, very, very common in the Dutch tray system that kind of flows from the bottom. And it really comes down to those tables are not, those are your lifeline. If you're not going to be cleaning and disinfecting those properly, you're never going to get rid of it, whatever, no matter what product you use. So, so what about the water because like you said a flood and drain table mm -hmm. um you may have pathogens in your water yeah and, so yeah. um is it effective against like can you can you put it in your lines or your irrigation system will it help or is it not allowed or you can you can clean it and you can clean your irrigation system with shield you just you can't feed your plants with that solution right. after that so we have a process where depending on what you'd rather do so we've seen facilities kind of unravel all of the the line and soak it in a big tote of shields uh, then you can rinse them out and then we actually have test strips where after that you can test to see if there's any hydrogen peroxide left which is the active ingredient in shield right um, and then we also see maybe it's a stationary system kind of a clean in place type scenario where you can flush shield through the lines let it sit for 45 minutes where you have that biofilm claim yeah and then again flush with water collect some of that water do that test to see if there's yeah. anything left so there. biofilm that's that's bacteria in the lines right that builds up over time not a lot of people know about that yeah no for right? sure um yeah biofilms are a really large issue and one of the biggest reasons it's a big issue is because you don't it's not an issue until you see it and then it's really hard you're fighting it for a long time you might have to shut down your if it's clogging your lines you might have to shut down your whole grow to, to get rid of that right and one example i have was a, a large facility that I visited and they're showing me their rooms and their plants from the start of the feed to the end, it went from you know nice green plants like these all the way to yellow and pretty much dying. Mm -hmm. And the facility didn't know what they were doing and they didn't actually had, they, they're just kind of showing me they didn't think I'd be able to help. They thought it was more of a operations thing. Uh, what we did was we, we took water from the beginning of the line and water from the end of their line and we tested it. 
and we saw there was a massive pH change actually from the beginning of the line to the end and That's also it was about a million times more CFU per milliliter which is the colony forming units in the water so it was being contaminated when we actually looked into it um, so they were using a liquid based nutrient that was causing a particulate in the line sticking to their lines which is just feed for bacteria and fungi created that biofilm mm. And then that was actually, since the nutrients was kind of creating a matrix there with the, the biofilm, as the, the, the water or the feed that they put through at, you know, 6.5 pH, it was going mm -hmm. down to like 5.5, even 5, because it was passing through all that, absorbing some of the leftover nutrients, uh, and it was causing their plants to die. And they, they probably would have, have lost about 50% of those plants wow. to biofilm. Wow. So not only is this for your facility, but it's also, it helps the plants. In many for ways. Sure, for sure it does. And another thing we, we talk about is how it can affect the quality of the plant. The yield, yield is pretty obvious how that can help. But quality, you know, I think the, the stats are about 80% of the flower on the market is irradiated, uh, which there's a lot of evidence, especially with gamma irradiation, that shows that it's going to lower your terpene content. Yeah. So you're not going to have that same smell. You're not going to have that same flavor, which that's your first experience as a consumer. You open that package, you smell it, maybe break it apart to smell it if if there's the right humidity there. And if you don't get that smell or it has a, that is like a unique smell with the irradiation, it's kind of disappointing, right? So with a proper biosecurity program, a large part of that being your disinfection, you can, we have a lot of evidence that you can grow without irradiation. Um, and that would, again, it's crease, increasing your quality and you're actually saving money. You don't have to send your product out yeah, to get irradiated, yeah. bring it back. You're sorting your process from seed to sale. So overall irradiation is something that everyone should be trying to avoid and it is possible mm. and uh, you know we, we we've helped a lot of people get to there as well i imagine they get more per gram too on the market if it's not irradiated or do you do you think that's happening higher or quality do you right if it's well, higher quality it's again, not irradiated it's, do people care about that if they're not using proper humidity controls in their packaging and they're sending it out getting it back let's say that's two weeks it could have dried you know the the relative humidity could have went down from the optimal maybe 10 percent lower that is going to be less yield at the end there too so across the country, prior to S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, since the adoption of S.H.I.E.L.D. or the, the invention of S.H.I.E.L.D., what were existing legacy chemicals that you see LPs using and grow facilities using prior to S.H.I.E.L.D.? And you know, why would they have chosen those chemicals to begin with? Yeah, well, I think to answer your last question there, they're choosing uh, chemicals that they've used probably in their past experience. So most of the time, a lot of the, the QA or even just the operational guys are coming from uh, pharma or food, those are really the, the two most popular we see. So they're taking a lot of their learnings and products and protocols from, from that background. Uh, typically, the number one thing we see is isopropyl uh, alcohol or ethyl alcohol being used. Um, we see a lot, so that'd be like an alcohol based, we see chlorine based products, which is you know, mostly known as bleach, uh, quaternary ammoniums. Then you, we've seen uh, hydrogen peroxide kind of used. Uh, there's a different different chemistries of that. So there's your standard hydrogen peroxide, typically used at about three percent. Then you have your paracetic acid hydrogen peroxide combination, and then you have um, which I've never actually seen, but it is out there. Is would be like a silver uh, colloidal silver hydrogen peroxide technology, and then then of course the last one being our accelerated hydrogen peroxide technology. Mm. And and you know, what would you see? What would you see? the reason the main reason for facilities switching from their existing programs and chemistries to something like shield what are some examples that you see out there for well for why more recently uh well covid being a huge issue so you know people aren't even able to get a lot of the disinfectants they need and 
they already know they need to switch. Like a lot of the times we'll go in there and they're like, hey, we're having weekly meetings. We got to get off ISO. Everyone's wearing respirators. It's expensive. Now we came and get it. Like it's coming to this point. Mm. Um, but there's a lot of other examples. So I touched on safety there. So the WSPS, they've had a mandate as of January of this year. They really want to crack down on excessive use of IPA, specifically in cannabis facilities without the proper engineering controls or per, per, uh, personal protection. So, you know, I've been in, like, I'd say we're over 50% of the facilities I've been, you walk into the cleaning room or the cleaning bay or anywhere where they're cleaning and you get a waft of IPA or it's th- not that alcohol. Nice, man. It's, it burns. Yeah. It burns your eyes. It burns your throat. It's, it's probably not good for your skin. I mean, yeah, I feel bad. Why are they using it? Like, well, it's Is just, it just that's what they know. Lysol, for example, and they're a large brand. Everyone knows. Everyone thinks alcohol works. It really doesn't work as well as pretty much everyone thinks. Um, I think that's really, and it, most people just kind of, it's like a legacy disinfectant, right? Uh, people at home, they're, if you're going to Costco, you see Lysol and Clorox bleach. A lot of people do know that bleach isn't the best. And ISO is kind of that next thing that's so easy. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. You've seen it everywhere. You're kind of comfortable using it. You've used it at home. But, you know, when you really do the research, it's not the best product. So so you touched on that. So isopropyl alcohol, um, you said it's not the best solution or maybe doesn't work at all. Um, yeah. Can you, can you like, maybe elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, so there's different metrics in which you uh, compare disinfectants by. Um, one of the more important ones, kind of under the umbrella of efficacy, which is, you know, what what is that product kill? And you really you want to look on the label for that. So, for example, Shield, right there, says bactericidal, virucidal, fungicidal. So that means that has broad spectrum efficacy against those pathogens. Um, how you would get that is when you go to Health Canada and you're su- you're submitting your data instead of you know testing every bacteria on the planet, which is literally impossible. They'll say here's three different really tough the toughest to kill bacteria from three different families mm. you can kill all those we assume that you can kill the rest of the bacteria that are out gotcha. there yeah. so um we've done that for viruses it's the same thing for viruses as polio um for fungi we did the same thing it was candida albicans so um that's how health canada does it to make it a little bit easier and those are really tough like for example polio virus if you were to have your classical hydrogen peroxide at three percent it would take 45 minutes to to deactivate the polio virus shield then the ready to use is three minutes wow so wow yeah and that's touching on contact time now where that's this is something that's overlooked a lot in every industry and it's something that virox really does educate about it's really comes down to smoke and mirrors marketing of those big legacy brands that we're all familiar with where, you know, on the label, it'll say kills 99.9% of bacteria or, or germs, whatever it says. You got to look at the star on the top and follow that on the label. It'll mm-hmm. then give you a contact time. And what contact time is, is the, the amount of time the surface or the equipment that you're trying to clean disinfect needs to stay wet in order to, to do the job. So if you have a three minute contact time and you're using a wipe, when you wipe that surface, you need to ensure that the surface stays wet for three minutes and then it will achieve the the goal that you're trying to do so uh, for example isopropyl is five to ten minutes kind of depending on what you're going for you should really aim for 10 if you want to eradicate your bacteria viruses and fungi but it dries in about 30 seconds in ambient yeah i was gonna say you put it on something and it evaporates so fast exactly right. so but, pe- but people smell it so maybe they think well it smells clean it must be clean that's a whole another thing too. Right. Yeah, the the smell of clean, which really should be nothing, right? <laughs> it should be. It should true. be clean. Like true. the shield has no sense whatsoever, and we've actually got that feedback a lot. Where they're like, they'll clean their room. They're like, hey, there wasn't, it doesn't smell good in there. Like, it smells like nothing. 
like that means you did the right job right it, you shouldn't be used to a smell of, of alcohol or bleach that's for sure but even some of those other scents those are all vocs uh, volatile organic compounds which it's you know basically it's how much of that chemical is it actually dispersed into the air which is going to affect your air quality so like alcohols have a lot they are voc they go into the air you breathe it in who knows if the plants are going to breathe in if you're using it around them too mm. um so that's something you want to be careful of any any really anything as uh, even terpenes on a plant like when you smell that plant those are vocs mm -hmm. um okay. So that's important. Uh, so that we might as well touch on safety there too, because that's not something you'd want in a product. You actually don't want VOCs. Looking at isopropyl alcohol, you you really need a respirator if you're cleaning a grow room. And glasses uh, too. Glasses, respirator. You really need everything you can get, and and that's a, a pretty expensive and, and labor intensive program to set up. Like you have to have um, a, a whole program around your respirators when you're switching the filters, how often you clean them, maintaining them, logbooks, all that, and it's really it's really the wrong way to look at it. Like if you have to do all that to use that product, maybe you should look at either the way you're using the product or if there's another product on the market. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So like always, you know, employees are the backbone of your company. Make sure they're happy with what they're doing and you don't want them going home every night saying how like, you know, not looking forward to coming the next day because they know yeah. they have to clean a room for eight hours with isopropyl. Yeah. So the employees, they, they don't, they don't like using the stuff they're using now. Right. No. And, and so when you show people shield, what's the reaction? I mean, are they saying, wow, there's no smell or it's safe on my skin? Like w what are some of the things you're seeing when you Cause maybe, maybe they don't, maybe they haven't seen this product. And when they first do, they, maybe they don't believe it works or what, what are you seeing as far as challenges to enter an LP with a different product? Yeah. I think everything you said there is true. Like a lot of them have never heard of this. Um, so we're kind of showing it to them. And a lot of the times they actually kind of think it's too good to be true. And we answer all their questions and it is a superior product. Um, so that can be challenging. And the other challenge is, you know, you're working with a QA department that they, they've maybe ran this operation for two years and it's working. And you're, you're telling, you're showing them that there's something different and that there is a better option. And there's a, you have to be careful with that, right? You want to work with them, not against them. And just showing them like, hey, like this is only six months old. What you're doing is fine. This is going to be a little bit better. There's been some cases where it's as easy as just switch out the products and their whole process is so much easier. You're saving money, labor, and the employees are happy. Other times you might have to work with them, changing the actual protocols in the process, training employees, which is something that uh, we take very seriously. And we do like to help out a lot with any any potential client or customer of shield it's you know we want to make sure you're using it to the optimal ability you have the right um, equipment options such as dilution systems and application methods like foaming uh, we don't want to want to give you a product runaway and hope for the best which is happening a lot out there we'll, yeah. we'll touch on some more of those topics but but maybe it's a good good time to, to talk about uh, one step versus two step products yeah I'm, I'm on your website right now and I'm looking at a chemistry comparison overview on yeah. shield.ca and and I'm seeing, you know, you've got you've got your shield, you got your bleach, you got hydrogen peroxide, you got quad ammonias and IPA, and you know it's going efficacy, but it says cleaning ability, and four four of the five items except shield says weak, weak, weak doesn't do it. Yeah. So so it doesn't clean; it just kills. Yeah. So there's there's one step and two step products. Um, two two step products are really the majority of the market. Uh, your you know 70% ISO, uh, your straight bleach, and th so those products, um, you know like bleach for example or the chlorine in there, it's really reactive. So if there's any soil on that surface, 
it will react with that soil and it's not going to do as good of a job uh, you know getting rid of those pathogens and deactivating those so any two-step product you're required to pre-clean the surface regardless of it looks sparkling clean or not and you have to use a detergent to do that to make sure that all the soils are removed so if you wanted to use ISO to even just clean this table, you're going to have to do your pre-clean with whatever pre whatever cleaner you have. Like a detergent. Detergent, yeah. You're going to want to rinse it. And then you're going to apply your isopropyl. Probably apply it 10 times if you actually want to reach your contact time. <laughs> Keep it wet for 10 so minutes, gonna, yeah. Yeah, so it, that process, it's a little bit lengthy. And you're, you have two products being evolved. Whereas a one-step product, which is what Shield is, we have surfactants or the detergent there and the disinfectant all in one. So you're taking that primary step of removing the, the even just pre-cleaning if there's nothing there, you don't have to do that anymore. You can do it all in one step. So you take the wipe, you clean the table, reaches that contact time, you're good to go. And so it's, what is it, a three to five minute contact time on shield? Yeah, so the concentrate, there is two dilutions. There is one to 40, and that would be a disinfection for five minutes. And then there's one to 128 for sanitizing. And then the ready to use is the three minutes for disinfection and 30 seconds again for sanitizing. So the one step versus two step, what I'm hearing is huge labor cost savings for LPs. Yeah. Mm. You're literally taking out half mm. of their labor yeah. costs to yeah. disinfect and clean their, their facilities. And that example I said too, that was light. I've even seen five and six, seven step processes where, you know, that's way overkill, oh but they'll, they'll use a cleaner, a disinfectant and then rinse and then use ISO again. It's like, I get, I get you want to make sure it's clean, but there's an easier way to do it. And, and I guarantee they're not wearing respirators or the proper PPE to protect themselves either with those products. That too, right? In the end, all you want to do is go off what the label says. If it says five minutes, you don't need a pre-clean all that if it Man, says that's huge so so coming from a commercial farming background i know that energy and labor are your two biggest expenses to growing any crop in a greenhouse wherever so so labor if you can save ha half the labor half the labor by not pre-cleaning that's that's big yeah and when i say pre-clean too like you're still going to be you know removing the you know, do a, dr a dry clean what we say so um sweep large debris anything that you can get off that's going to fall off the table pretty much um, you're going to do that for any process, regardless. You still have, even after you do that dry clean, you would still have to do a pre-clean before yeah. ISO. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and one example, a couple of weeks ago, we were in a facility where, you know, they were manually cleaning four tables in a room. There was four people, and it took them about an hour per table. Like wiping them or wiping with their spraying, hands, microfibers, wiping. scrubbing them, scrubbing. Yeah, and first off, like they weren't. Luckily, they weren't using ISO. It was it was another product. Still a, a, a smell to it, but uh, so they. So what we did, we did this little bit of a trial where one of them, what the two, one pair, they just did their current process. So they pre-cleaned the table, <coughs> rinse, disinfect, rinse. The other two, they just used the shields, um, same, the same method, clean the whole table. They got to the end of the table at the same time, but the shield, the shield side was done. It had been cleaned and disinfected. It just needed a quick rinse to kind of remove everything else there. Whereas their current process was only halfway done, actually less than that, because they still had to rinse, then reapply disinfectant, and then rinse again. You know what was neat about that experience, because we were together for that one, Troy, was um, when we got to the next set of tables to work on, uh, we suggested that there might be a way to do this without any manual scrubbing. So what we did was we um, applied a, a shield, a diluted shield product directly on the tables let it sit for the five minutes, which achieved the contact time. Mm. And then we came back with a high pressure hose after the fact. Wow. Maybe and 5% of it needed to be wiped after. But again, we brought their one hour per table down to about 20 minutes and removed all manual labor. So everyone's wow. really happy there. So, so let me ask you something then. So you, you mentioned the tables they're growing on. Most facilities I'm in are using the, the ebb and flow trays or the, I think they're made by Stalinplast. Yep. And they're, I think they're polystyrene 
plastic or, or some kind of special plastic, but is, is shield safe on, on benches and aluminum and uh, tools, uh, stainless steel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah typical really stuff you see in a grow typical room. Of, yeah. Really. We don't really run into much and we have a, a great compatibility resource on our website too, if you're unsure. Uh, and, and again, if you are unsure, maybe there's a piece of equipment that you're not sure. Uh, we're happy to reach out, do the compatibility testing. We might have actually already done it on the, a similar component. Um, but, and then if maybe we've even seen, you know, uh, drywall that they're not even sure what kind of paint is on it. Yeah. We do see in drywall. Unfortunately, we have, and you know, they're like, "Hey, this isn't chemical resistant paint. Can we use it?" If you're always unsure, we just say, you know, use a little bit on the corner, maybe twice a day for a week. Wipe a little a corner mm. of it, and if you don't see any any kind of corrosion or anything like that, it's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, you know, there there are some limits, like when you're looking at copper and, and brass, you want to stay away uh, using shield, but you really want to stay away with pretty much any disinfectant or any even yeah, water that's at true. the end, right? Well, I mean, I, I I can't even think of any copper or brass in in a facility anywhere well like for example when you're looking at like stainless steel which i'd say is 70 percent of a facility or so um you know like bleach products or chlorine products they're going to be really corrosive to that and i've walked into facilities where their tables and their even like their greenhouse structures are literally falling apart and you can see the rust and the corrosion mm. and again it's like if i had seen that i'd be like hey like we got we can't use this product anymore for them it's just like look the other way I don't really want to deal with it right now until it gets yeah. too till it's too late. Yeah, yeah. yeah don't about, buy about, a bunch of bunch of new tables and a bunch of new racks. They'd rather yeah, do that's that cheap. sometimes. Yeah. Well, yeah. I sell them. They're not cheap. Yeah. But, hey, go ahead and ruin them and then call me. So, yeah. <laughs> so outside of uh, you know, we we've talked a lot about cultivation rooms and areas and grow tables and benches and and the importance of keeping those areas clean for obvious reasons. What other areas can you use shield in a facility, or where where, where do you see really good applications of shield used, whether it be equipment? processing extraction yeah well it can really be used anywhere except for on the plants um you know another large area we see outside of like your large room turnovers would be um on equipment specifically or trimmers and buckers and all that processing resin. stuff resin does it work on resin it does work on resin yeah so we've actually done a lot of work with mobius and with twister um to work with them on the best way to clean and disinfect their machines and what we found is you know um, using the shield concentrate soaking for 10 minutes it, it really does make it so much easier to come off and then again it's disinfected when you're done as well and mm -hmm. there are some parts where you might want to use a heavier degreaser so if you're familiar with the twister or the um, the mobius there's like that brush that's on the inside and there's a wire um, tumbler on the mobius like we determined that you know shields if you're, if you're definitely if you're wet cleaning or wet uh, trimming shield wasn't the best uh, cleaner for that and there, we, there are others, but again, you still have to disinfect it, yeah. disinfect it, and we know that shield is compatible yeah. with all of the um, the parts on the but, machine. But it really wasn't made for that. Like, it's not a degreaser. It is no. a cleaner and disinfectant. It, it does do a very good job. But I mean, it does. We've been into places like extraction facilities where they have a resin spill on their floor, and again, we say, you know, pour some on there, maybe rub it, rub it a little bit, let it sit, come back in 10 minutes, and it's 75% easier to get off. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're left with maybe 25% left, do it again, and it's gone. Yeah. So it's really applicable, and 95% of every square foot within a facility, uh, Shield can really do the job from both a cleaning and disinfecting perspective. For sure, and even when the plants are in the room, that's another big question we get where, you know, maybe you have nutrient buildup on the floor, whatever you have, you want to clean in the room. You know, per Health Canada regulations, you can't apply the product in any way that could um, you can get it onto the plant. So spraying is really out of the option. You don't want to foam. 
um, you can use our shield wipes that are pre-saturated in the room or really any any way you can even use a mop or a bucket with uh, microfiber to to get areas that you may want to do throughout the clean um, and that's important too you, you could use iso as well in the same way but there, there's again there's vocs and that I, I don't really don't know if it's going to affect the the crop but air quality is really important inside those rooms so mm -hmm. well, employee safety should be top of mind for a lot of licensed producers out there or every licensed producer out there should be employee safety should yeah. be a number one driver for the decisions for the products they're using to disinfect their facility. So outside of uh, outside of uh, uses within uh, cultivation rooms and uh, equipment and uh, extraction technologies, what about large greenhouses? We deal with a lot of large greenhouse uh, LPs across the country. Uh, what's the best practice and protocols you've seen for for large greenhouse spaces? Yeah, so it, whether it be perpetual harvest or large large areas that need to be clean and disinfected. That's uh, as I was just mentioning. Yeah, perpetual harvest um, versus non perpetual perpetual harvest. So uh, we'd have one customer who just does not do perpetual harvest. They will remove all the plants at once and do a large room clean, and that's that's really the best option where you can kind of go crazy. We have uh, you know we work with another company that manufactures foaming equipment, and they have some really high pressure uh, foaming. Um, equipment and again with shield you don't need to there's no additive it naturally will foam if you apply it through these this equipment um, but and I've seen you know 40,000 square foot greenhouses the walls and the ceilings disinfected in as little as half an hour oh, wow. and you know it's it makes it so much like you can imagine if you're using like a, a microfiber mop that's extendable compared to spraying a foam gun which would you rather do it's to be a lot more enjoyable for the employee and it's a lot quicker mm -hmm. and then again you let that foam dry run down let it dry and you're good to go because there's no need to pre-clean or no need to rinse on those surfaces it literally is yeah one step exactly we, we talked a little bit of rinsing there too so again as per the the health canada regulations any disinfectant you use on a surface that's good at contact cannabis you're required to rinse um so if so you're what kind of things like like i guess trimming blades tr yeah really a lot of this anything post-harvest your hand pruners hand pruners um if you're doing a Dutch tray system, then you're gonna to have to rinse after you disinfect those tables. If you're just doing drip irrigation, you're not gonna to have to. Okay. So, and, we, and we're, we're happy to, you know, we usually work with that as well. And some facilities are, you know, maybe their plants are touching the walls, for example, but over 90% of your facility, you're not gonna to need to pre-clean, or sorry, you're, well, yeah, you're not gonna need to pre-clean, but you're not gonna to need to rinse either. Okay. And that's a large benefit, um, especially in the, the grow rooms where, as we mentioned, in the greenhouse, your walls, ceilings, there's not going to be cannabis touching that. So you can go crazy with the foamer and you don't have to rinse after. Um, another another spot we've spent a lot of time on as well is under the tables. Um, maybe in a greenhouse or indoor, kind of applicable to both, where I've seen people on like a skateboard with a helmet on and a full <laughs> mask kind of under the table going for huh. it. Sounds fun. Doesn't sound fun at all. Like, like even just, you, you know why they're wearing a helmet because someone's hit their head in the past, right? Like mm. it's probably <laughs> happened. Um, Super day. So yeah, again, that could take long, not enjoyable. Where we've you know worked with this company to create uh, like an elbow on our foaming wand, so it it kind of shoots up, and you can just walk by the table. It sprays foam up, and the, the great thing about foam, which I haven't even mentioned, is that it sticks to those vertical uh, surfaces that mm -hmm. a liquid wouldn't. And it would drip off, and it might not reach that contact time. Mm. And you can see where the foam is hit. So you walk by under the table, it's gonna hit the whole underside. It's gonna stay there for at least five minutes. If you really want to, you could look under the table, visually see if it's hit at all, and then again, you don't you don't need to rinse that because it's not going to contact cannabis. Yeah, so way faster. And, we, and we've got uh, on our on our grow house website, and we'll we'll point uh, the audience to that. We've got lots of great video resources of 
showing the foaming equipment in action, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, cleaning of trimming equipment, yeah. soaking of products and resins and the removal and how well Shield works. Uh, we have lots of uh, videos to, to share for that as well. So, mm -hmm. And one thing I wanted to ask, so a lot of people don't know the terminology, like there's a lot of education gaps on, because a little while ago you mentioned san uh, 1 to 128 to sanitize and 1 to 40 to disinfect. Can you can you explain the difference? Like, what's sanitization? What's disinfection? Yeah, sure. Um, so I'll even take one step further than that. So we'll start with cleaning. Cleaning is just the physical removal of soil from the surface. Then kind of the next step up from that is your sanitizing, which you're, it's only effective against bacteria. So that is something important to note. Uh, and that's a three log reduction. So if you started with 100,000 bacteria on a surface and you sanitized it, you'd be left with 100 bacteria there. Whereas okay. you look at then the next step up from be disinfecting, which you have can have claims against fungi, viruses, bacteria, mycobacteria, pretty much everything on the scale there. Um, that's a five log reduction of any of those as well. So you start with that at same hundred thousand, you'd be left with one. So so so, it doesn't work. It only works. Sanitizing only works on bacteria, not fungus yep. and viruses. It's only effective against bacteria. I didn't know that. Yeah. Where do, so, you, where do you draw the line on your recommendations for where a facility should be sanitizing versus where they should be disinfecting? Uh, well, pre-COVID, pre um, we, we set a lot of customers up with, you know, your office area, maybe your uh, non-cannabis non receiving bay. Some of those non-critical areas in your facility were set up for that sanitizing. You save a little bit of money uh, and it's it, your product just goes a little bit further. That's really the benefit there. Uh, but now with COVID now, uh, kind of, I guess, at the tail end of it, but throughout it, a lot more facilities were actually using 1 to 40 throughout their entire facility, including their offices. Um, so, you know, we really leave it up to the, the customer to, to choose what they want. We always provide our recommendations. Um, but yeah, it's really up to you. We even have some facilities that they'll clean their floors three times a day, for example. Um, you know, we'll say use the 1 to 120. Using that 1 to 40, it's just really just overkill. Um, you're going to go through a lot more product and, you know, that, that three log reduction three times a day is going to be just as good. Hmm, interesting. So you mentioned COVID. How, how is that? So it kills COVID. Yep. Is COVID easy to kill? Uh, so, you know, it, it somewhat is. Like if you look at the hierarchy of susceptibility, um, the class that of viruses that COVID's in is at the bottom. But it's still not, it's not for sure. Even if you look at isopropyl against non-envelope viruses, it's, it's less effective. Like it, some chemistries just kind of have that where it might not be effective against a certain family or whatnot. So just because it's easy to kill doesn't mean everything can kill it. Um, you know, we're we're working to get an official claim with the GLP lab to show that we can in the right amount of time. Okay. Um, but right now, so what we have and what a lot of others don't is called the emerging pathogen claim. Um, so basically, I think the last on our label right here, the last one was for, I think, swine flu. Um, but basically, Health Canada will look at the, the disinfectants that they have the numbers for and look at the data and say, okay, based on the data we see here, you ha you can, you're a really good product. You can kill anything that comes to us under these categories. Um, so we have these, this emerging pathogen claim. And if you are really oh, okay. worried about um, you know, the COVID or coronavirus, make sure you have a disinfectant that has it because there's no, mm -hmm. you're pretty much guaranteed that it will, that will eradicate it. And our products are used quite extensively now across the world, even before over 90% of hospitals. And, you know, right now, Virox across all of our markets, we're, we're producing at 24 seven. We've never had to do this before. I bet. Even during SARS or, um, you guys are popular flu. guys. Mm. Yeah. So, and the government of Ontario just gave us uh, a grant to, 
Um, I forget what the, the fund was. I think it was called the Get Together Fund. Um, but it was for a, a whole new wipes line because, you know, obviously Ontario likes to support uh, products made in Ontario, but Canada really needs it. Like, we're, we're doing everything we can to get it out there, and we're really happy to have that help from them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the product's used in 90% of hospitals in North America, and it's used on the International Space Station. Yeah, so we don't want to run out. We don't <laughs> want to run out. Yeah. So we talked a little bit about uh, uh, some of the formats that Shield comes in, ready-to-use versus concentrate. Can you can you explain the difference between? Are those two different products? Yeah. Is it the same product at different ratios? Where would somebody maybe choose to use one versus the other? Is it a size or scale uh, question or an application type question? Sure, yeah. So the products um, are, are different. So a lot of the times we'll get a question where, um, maybe someone looked at the, so the concentrate starts at one to four, or it starts at 7%, sorry, when you dilute it at one to 40, basically just divide seven by 41. Uh, I forget, I think it's like 0.17% hydrogen peroxide you get. And then people will compare that to the 0.5% hydrogen peroxide in the RTU. And they ask, oh, can I just dilute it to the 0.5? Um, so, you know, when we talk about that. The concentrate was, was really made to, to be stable in the concentrate form. It's actually really stable in the diluted form as well. Um, so, you know, as compared to, as compared to, yeah, as well, uh, yeah. So it's it, once diluted. So in the concentrate, it's two years. Once diluted, it's thirty days, which is really long. If you look at a lot of Quat products, you know, isopropyl actually is one day. You have to change it out after you've diluted it. One day. Yeah. So hmm. if you're going from ninety. So if you put it in a spray bottle. A day later, you have to change that bottle and yeah. dump it down. Well, you can you can't even dump it down the drain, can you? Can you? Not isopropyl. isopropyl? I think I think it might depend on the quantity. I'm not sure, but I'm sure yeah. people are doing it anyways. <laughs> yeah. So it, that one was really made to be uh, stable at the concentrate. It is still very stable at the once it's diluted, as I said, for 30 days. And we have again, we have test strips where you know you can go in there if maybe you have a bottle that it's at that 28 day mark you're not sure if it's going to be good you can use this test strip it's like a hot tub test strip to validate it mm. is still good to use okay. same thing if you're soaking equipment in a huge tote you can use that test strip maybe it looks a little bit dirty but it's still kind of on the edge yeah and you it'll tell you Probably right the away. same with like foot mats when you step on the foot mats yep. disinfecting yep and then you, you know something else we have i'll get back into the concentrate rtu but we have um like dilution systems and really a program around that where We've got really good feedback from Health Canada. So it's a dilution system, size of a book, goes on your wall, water input, and you have a pressure gauge on there. So we set it up, it's all it's it's all pressure fed and runs off that. So we set it to a certain PSI. Basically as a QA, your check your daily check is look at that PSI. Is it within the range that we set it? You can mark it on your logbook, and then maybe once a week. You can do it every day if you want, but you know, minimum once a week, take some solution, do your test strip, and then get once you get that pass, you create a log for it. Health Canada comes in for an audit. You show them not only are we using a Health Canada approved product as a DIN number for cannabis, we're also validating that it's being disinfected correctly. Um, all that yeah. they absolutely love it. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. and then again, the, the dilution system saves you a lot of time where you're not hand diluting. It's as you're turning a knob, it's all done for you. Well, I mentioned uh, dumping it down the drain. Good for the environment. Yeah. So Shield is readily biodegradable. Um, the only, the only thing that really isn't is the actual wipe substrate itself. With the liquid, you can dump down the drain. There's no storage requirements. Uh, when you're using it, there's not even any PPE needed. Amazing. So you don't need to wear any PPE when you're applying and using Shield? Yeah, once it's diluted and uh, the concentrate, you would technically need gloves uh, and safety goggles. You're going to get like a, if you're handled hydrogen peroxide, you get like a little white yeah, oxidation. Turns your, doesn't even hurt or anything. Yeah. Um, but again, with that dilution system set up, you're never touching the concentrate. So... 
it really eliminates all those risks of improper diluting, um, you know, like the time that actually takes all that. And if you're an employee and someone says, you know, here's his jug, go dilute this at one to 40 and then go clean this room. There's many things that can happen. One, you're probably just going to do a, an eyeball. It's not going to be perfect. And then you're also going to be like, oh, I have to go dilute this. And you're going to maybe need to cut corners down the line because you want to get home at the right time. Whereas, mm. all right, go use that dilution system, pour it out and then go clean that room. This makes it that much easier to do the job. Yeah. Save a and I guess, bit and I guess so if you can use, so you got the wipes that, that's for like high touch surfaces, I imagine. Um, you've got the liquid and you can foam it. So you can use this almost everywhere in your facility. And if you're using one product versus maybe four or five different bottles of different stuff, this is used for this, this is used for that. That's probably a lot easier that you're not going to mess up and you will actually disinfect. Well, and your standard operating procedures are going to be much easier to follow. SOPs are yeah, much easier steps, to follow as the staff. Products. Even the procurement guy or guy or girl who's ordering all these different products, trying to manage all that, makes it easier for really everyone. Your storage mm -hmm. in the back, mm -hmm. um, you know, and there's a lot of different. There's a lot of reasons why you don't want to have multiple products on the site. One is just again, as John mentioned, the the complexity it adds to your protocol. So maybe it's like, hey, stainless steel, you use this at one to thirty. On your walls, you use this product at 1 to 128, and you have four different products, four different dilution systems. There's a really big chance that someone's going to mess one of those up. You know, we're all human. Um, you know, another risk is actually, like, uh, accidentally mixing two products. And that has a lot, that's really dangerous mm -hmm. as well. So if you look at, you know, ammonium and, uh, like, like um, ammonia products and chlorine products, they create a really deadly gas, and you know, my cousin's actually a, uh, a paramedic, and he they deal with that a lot. And uh, you know, like a, a mom trying to clean her pool maybe before her, her husband comes back and mixes the chemicals, and it, he's seen it where they inhale those chemicals, and it's not good. Mm -hmm. It pretty much disintegrates your lungs. So you don't want any of that risk happening. Even you know, maybe you have uh, you're cleaning your room, you just use an ammonia cleaner, it's puddled on the floor, and then you apply your bleach. Like even that little bit amount can create some of that. So just a risk you don't want to have in your facility. Um, but yeah, having one product, it's like, I know I can use this everywhere. I know the dilutions. I know it's safe. I know maybe where I can't use it. And it just makes everything easier. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what do you see outside of uh, all the great benefits that we were talking about? Again, I can see why people suggest that maybe this product's too good to be true. Because yeah. it really does check all the boxes compared to what else is available to them. What's the cost of Shield? So um, the cost, so I'll, before I answer that question, actually, I'll take a step back to the differences of the concentrate and ready to use. Sure. So concentrate, as I mentioned, um, meant for the stability long-term, diluted at one to 40. Uh, it's about 32 cents per diluted liter if you're buying the drum and from the four liter, it goes to about 40 cents per diluted liter, which is pretty cheap. If you look at ISO, for example, we've seen up to $30 per liter for 70%. So, the, you know... So you're 100 say, times less on a yeah, product exactly. cost Yeah, exactly. Not only to mention all the other benefits. Um, and then at the, the 1 to 128 for sanitizing, I think it's between 10 and 12 cents per diluted liter. Uh, then you look at the RTU, the ready-to-use product, which is ready to go. As soon as you buy it, you can put a sprayer on it. You can use the wipes. So there's a convenience factor there as well. Um, the wipes end up being about $0.10 cents per per wipe. And the ready-to-use, um, I think I think it's about four to five times more than the concentrate. I'm not entirely sure on the dollar per liter number. But, um, you know, the ready-to-use is more of the, the convenient product. And we see that used... A lot of the laboratories around use it. So even even if you have a laboratory in your facility where 
maybe the size of this kind of area here, a couple stainless steel benches. You can put a wipes in there and kind of keep it clean throughout um, your process. Maybe once a year you're going to clean the whole the whole lab. Um, but a lot of the micro uh, microprocessors and, and uh, cultivators, they like the RTUs. Um, you know, maybe they don't even have access to water. They don't, they can't dilute. And there's actually even larger cultivators who didn't have access to clean water or mm. they didn't want to use that water to dilute because it was so mm -hmm. uh, short supply. So the RTU is really great for that. Um, the wipes are used by literally every customer we have. They they really become a quick favorite. They're just really convenient. We have um, little brackets so you can put them on a wall. Uh, if you have, you know, even if you have uh, facility specific shoes like the, the croc looking things, use that wipe to clean your shoes at the end of the day, throw it out and you know it's going to be, it's clean disinfected at the mm. end of the day. Your hands too, I imagine, anything really, your phone, your phone is another, your tools, another big your, one, yeah. your doorknobs. Well, I like mean, you said, you can you can use them while plants are in the room because you're not aerosolizing. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that too. And really high, like, now, especially with um, you know, people really taking sanitation throughout their whole facility seriously and uh, disinfection, um, high touch surfaces. And that's, that's really a large spread of any kind of pathogen in your facility. So that's your your keyboards, your your door handles, if you have like a shared um, kind of like a phone in the facility, any of that stuff that's high touch, that's where it spreads and these wipes, leave them around there and yeah. just clean those when you're done or maybe yeah. you're the last person to leave the grill room, grab a wipe, clean your door handles, close the door, yeah. go home. So that, that one liter ready to use bottle there, it looks like you can just throw a nozzle and a, a trigger on that. Yeah. Is that what it's made for? And you could just start, or you can squirt it and, and yeah, wipe yeah. It. So there's also um, I'll, I'll show you. There's also like a it's like a ketchup style bottle. That's how that's how it comes like that. Yeah. And that's really great for. So let's say let's say you're you're cleaning a floor. You can just spray it out on the floor and use a microfiber to spread that around instead of actually using that mop and bucket, which that bucket is just carrying pathogens throughout yeah. your whole facility. It's getting dirty. You're putting it back into that solution that was supposed to be clean. It's just getting slowly more contaminated over time. So we recommend, uh, it's pretty much, we call it the squirt and go method, where squirt it on the floor, spread it around your microfiber, and then maybe you're cleaning a wall where you can actually get that microfiber, squirt it right on there, mm -hmm. and then extend it out to the wall. Yeah. So you're just kind of avoiding the use of that, that mop and bucket. And then you're, you know, at the end of that mop and bucket, you're dumping out half that at the end, right? And there you're saving a lot. True, Right. true. Yeah. And then the, this is the concentrate four liter? Is there other bigger sizes maybe for yeah. bigger guys? so that's the four liter. We have a 20 liter pail, which uh, we've really seen it as a, almost like a transition size from the four liter to the two, the, the next one, which is the 200 liter drum. Okay. Um, the 200 liter drum is where you're gonna get kind of the most bang for your buck when you, if you're a large enough facility. And it lasts for two years too. So even, you know, a 40,000 square foot facility, we've seen them go through it um, you know, pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And something to mention too, we'll provide those deletion stations for free. Uh, to customers that purchase yeah. the two liter drums because again collaboratively yeah. we want to make sure customers have the yeah. best system to administer and and use the product most efficiently and i guess during the time of this stupid virus that's going on right now ppe is in high demand right yeah. so i guess if you don't need ppe to clean your facility maybe you could save your ppe for i guess the guys in the grow room that have to have it on the processing and and maybe the cleaning staff doesn't have to wear the ppe so you're yeah, you're holding well, like, you know your too. gloves your hair nets all that you're going to use that regardless but yeah. um you know just like even like the face mask and the respirator and the yeah, who, who wants to gloves. wear one of those all day anyway like i've right? yeah if we've all been in greenhouses where it's 45 degrees uh, scorching hot in there right you're in a sauna and then you're going to put on the tyvek suit 
some of them require a full hood all that like yeah. you know yeah. you're going to be absolutely sweating in there not enjoyable whatsoever yeah. um so yeah ppe is kind of like the unnecessary evil a lot of people are like oh we're spending too much money on ppe uh this respirator program but it's like you know there's other options yeah but people people typically carry the problems into the grow rooms so yeah i'm a big fan of ppe for sure no i'm not i'm not, I'm not saying you don't need it but just the you're excessive right. use of it like yeah. again when you're going down the rabbit hole of um your respirator program all that maybe take a step back and see what else you can do well especially in an environment where you can't find a nitro glove you can't find a lot of the ppe products that were ready available pre-covid they're just not available or if they are available they're 10 times the price that they were yeah. prior to covid so yeah. another another cost factor to consider as well for these guys yeah yeah, yeah. it's interesting yeah so the the wipes you said they they just have to go in the garbage when they're done yeah yeah is it a special wipe or is it just like the Clorox wipes that you see or the other wipes that you see typically? No, we've actually spent a lot of time developing the substrate uh, that's in the wipe. So the, the actual liquid that is in the ready-to-use liquid and the liquid that's in the wipes is the same technology. Um, but the, the substrate itself, we spent a lot of time developing. Um, so it's, it's seven layers, which is a little bit more than the typical wipe you'd see. So it really does hold up. Uh, you know, I've been scrubbing resin off a table and the wipe it really doesn't rip, doesn't pill. So you don't get those white little fluffs everywhere, which yeah, that's, yeah, hey, that's, that's important. That's a contaminant to your, yep. to your end product, uh, especially in the extraction. Like you do not want one of those little white fluffs going through an extraction machine. That's going to cause some really big damage. So, yeah. um, that's really important. But then even. Well, we, a couple other things that we look at is the wetness of it. So when you pull it out, if you have a Lysol wipe, pull it out and you'll see it's dripping on yeah, the it's, table. It, doesn't, it just drips off. Yeah, so these ones, they really, they hold that, that liquid like really well. You pull it out, it's not going to be dripping. Um, then we have what we, we call like a metered release. So as you wipe the, the wipe along the surface, you'll see an even amount of liquid being dispersed mm. throughout the whole thing. Mm. Um, you know, on top of that, it, it's really good at actually removing those soils. We've actually done, Virox has done studies that show that um, it was kind of probably about a couple of years ago when you know, it still is, but fentanyl was a, a really large issue. Um, and, you know, a lot of the healthcare workers maybe were getting in contact with it and, you know, having some issues there. So these wipes um, were proven to remove 99, I think 99.9% .9 of fentanyl residue from one surface. So one wipe removing it and then you were to put it on another surface it didn't deposit any of more oh, wow. of that back onto that surface so oh wow um yeah a bit like, of thought going into those uh, yeah like I, I spent a couple probably a year maybe two looking at the different substrates out there seeing if we can make them any better and it, it's one of those things you don't if you don't know that how much work went into it you wouldn't think so but mm -hmm. it's very important for us and even right now a lot more so because of the the supply like you know kimberly clark and all those big suppliers of microfibers and that it's it's tough right everything everything is tough to get a hold of around the world right now yeah. cleaning and ppe and uh, yeah. sanitizer well, that's, all that's of one that great stuff. thing about shield too like yeah. we're manufacturing in ontario and we're, we're very we're very conscious to have a, a full supply of products the last thing we want to do is have you know toronto general or one of the big hospitals have no product and you know you can't how do you get to help those patients or cannabis facility as well like if you don't have any disinfectants you can't clean your grow room you might have an outbreak so we're, we're very, very conscious at Virox to make sure we always have products to serve the uh, yeah. industry's needs. Yeah. So it sounds like, relatively speaking, for most LPs are using an unsafe product that's not safe for employees. 
Uh, it's, it's not as effective as something like Shield. Uh, often requires two steps in the process, so increased cost from a labor perspective. Uh, multiple steps in the process with multiple chemicals to achieve the same thing that Shield can achieve. What's some of the challenges that you see when you're talking to an LP uh, in terms of getting them to switch uh, or convincing them to switch, showing them the evidence why they should switch? What are some of the challenges that you see out there? Why, 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 aren't, why isn't every facility out there making the... Yeah, I can't say, what, what I can't like see anyone saying no to this. Yeah. yeah and so not, it seems like an easy decision. Yeah, not many people say no. It's more just the process. It, it's longer. So I think the first, the first kind of like um, issue, I guess you could say, we get into is people saying, yeah, it's like you're selling snake oil. It's, it's too, too good, good to be, be true, true right? right? And then we say, all right, let's plan a trial. We'll put it to the test. Well, you know, let's see exactly what you're doing. Just switch the product and we'll see, even though we'd recommend to use the product differently, just do that. So we plan a lot of trials of facility and every single one has completely benefited shields, uh, whether that's using ATP uh, to detect what's, the... What's that? ATP, I'm probably not going to get the exact ATP right, but basically it's um, ATP is like the energy in all the, in all cells and bacteria, viruses, fungi. So the idea behind it is... Uh, if you were to swab a surface that has bacteria on it, uh, the ATP that's there would react with, I think it's called luciferase, which is the, an enzyme that's found in fa fireflies that creates light. So when you swab it and it creates that light in the machine, yeah. it'll give you a number, an RLU number. Um, so it's not perfect because, again, there's some chemistries like, like isopropyl and chlorine, actually. I don't want to pick on them, but they're just really good examples. Um, they degrade proteins and DNA. So that ATP, they, it's called... Uh, uh, leaching I think where it actually the number might be lower than it actually is because they're actually destroying some of that ATP uh, whereas other products that oxidize or have different methods of attack might actually spill out the ATP anyways that, that's how it works it's not perfect but we do have mm -hmm. a, it's a really good indicator of what's going on in your rooms so we always set them up we set the customers up with like an analysis of trending so it's a handheld tester it's a handheld tester so let's say this is grow room one every monday you do your swab in here and it'll the software tracks it for you so maybe every other monday you do your clean so you see one monday up here down here then maybe you know you see two in a row that are high you know something's going on mm -hmm. that's really the that's really what atp is that is for it's not going to tell you what's causing it or what you can do to fix it but it's going to tell you where your rooms are and, it, and then we also there is pass and fail criteria as well so if uh, under 200 RLU, it's like a green for sure. 200 to 300 might be a yellow, which is like, you know, if, if you think it, it should pass, it looks clean, at least say why and you're comfortable with it. It's kind of your decision. And then, you know, over, I think 400, it's red, which is like you, something wasn't done properly, clean it again. Gotcha. Reswap. Yeah. Right. And then, so that, that's one thing we have our micro, micro swabbing as well, which we like to do both of those in a trial. So ATP, as I said, because it's not perfect, you don't want to rely on it, especially yeah. for a trial where, as I mentioned, the difference of disinfectants, you might not get the best comparison. Um, not to say that once you have that baseline, you can still set up your ATP for whatever product, um, but micro doesn't lie. So what is a micro, like a lab, more of a lab test? Yeah, so you're going to get, there's different ones. You have plates where you might rub a plate on a surface, send it out. Uh, we typically use like like cotton swabs type thing where you swab a surface in a specific way and then break it off, send it to the lab. They'll tell you how much see if you uh, per swab. And the, yeah. what you also want to do is a before and after. Um, uh, sometimes we'll we'll see facilities who just after they clean, they do a swab. But you want to see what that starting number was from. So let's say mm. you might have two areas. One of them started at 10,000. One of them started at 100. And they both got down to 10. Someone's like, oh, that's great. But really... 
that one that started at 10,000, that's a much better result. Yeah. If the other one started at 10,000, might not have gone that low. So yeah. doing your before and after for both ATP and micro, and then, you know, bringing it all together in the end Whoa. and what, what makes more sense. And, you know, maybe there, there's been times where uh, both products are, are even on the ATP and then the micro, it's, that really does show the difference. And there's also other times where ATP shows, and my ATP and micro show the exact same thing. The analogy we use is ATP is like measuring to the centimeter and micro testing is measuring to the millimeter. Yeah. Fair enough. And, uh, you know, that is somewhat part of the Health Canada regulations that I think we all know are, are quite vague, but it, it does say you have to monitor your program. And um, th that's, uh, we believe ATP is really the best kind of in process monitoring way. And then, you know, coupled with micro. So, as I kind of mentioned, if you have a problem in a room and that ATP keeps going up or, or the RLU keeps going up, uh, you can send a swab out to a lab and they'll tell you exactly what the, the pathogen was that was there, uh, the actual amount that was there, and that can help you choose what product and what protocol you're going to use to clean that room moving forward. Uh, and then on top of that as well, you have your um, the test strips. So you have all this monitoring going on to ensure that your, your whole process is working the way it's intended. Yeah. Interesting. That's great. That's great. So, so if you had sort of one piece of advice to the people listening um, about their, I guess, even grow tent or, or big LP, what can you think of? Like, what's, what do you think is important? Or maybe the first next, the next step for them to, to make sure that they're keeping their facility clean? Well, I think, uh, education, uh, yeah, education for sure. But I, I think if you're a new LP, you're, you're thinking about either building a new facility, uh, expanding your facility, like you're in that stage, you got to think about sanitation from the ground up. Like uh, I've been in facilities where they don't even have floor drains. I'm sure you've seen that as well. I have. And I, I don't get it. Like how are you going to clean this, you know, let's even just say 10,000 square foot room out of floor drain, there's a spill or whatever, like irrigation leak irrigation leak i've seen that i don't understand like why you wouldn't put a floor drain in um i don't know, maybe maybe you have like a benefit to that, that i'm not aware of no if i had to answer that question i would i would venture that they they bought a building or had a building that was existing they they built rooms inside that you know a box in a box uh they didn't redo the concrete floor the drains were where they were they didn't want to spend the money or or rejig the whole uh, drain system, plumbing system. Mm. I, I, I honestly don't know. I, yeah. I, I'm honestly scared to ask people because I, I don't know if I want the answer. Yeah. <laughs> well, most facilities we're in that don't have drains, they admit it was a mistake not having them. For sure. They the all do. And they all wish that they had put them in. They're the battling it the whole time. Like I guess you can't power wash. I guess you can't. I guess you could mop, but well, I've foam. seen. Well, some some will, and they foam. they H rack it at the end, and they suck it all yeah, up. Yeah, shop back. Yeah, or, wet back. Sorry, shop back it up, but. Not ideal. Again, it's over time. That's just if you could shrink that down, you're gonna be saving a lot more money and labor over over so, that long. So overall, you're saying put more thought into yeah your cleaning. Yeah, yeah. like uh, even cleaning bays, for example. So you know somewhere where you can you, know, you don't have to clean in place always. If you have a Mobius or a trimmer, a twister, or any kind of large equipment, you can bring it to this cleaning bay that you know it has walls where you can pressure wash, has proper drainage hopefully has a shield dilution system so you can quickly get your product out um but again like that's so important it's so commonly overlooked as well we're like okay, mm -hmm. so we're getting a tour of a facility it's okay so take us to the cleaning bay or where do you do your cleaning cleaning 
I've seen like 100,000 square foot facilities and their cleaning area is smaller than this space. So it's, it's an afterthought a almost. It's a, it's, it's a necessary evil, but many people just, they, 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 they focus on growing great weed. Yeah. They don't focus like, on I get it. Like it's not the funnest part. Like, clean disinfection yeah. isn't the funnest part, but it's, you can make it a little bit easier if you think about it ahead of time and plan for it. And you know, there's, there's a lot of, even that you mentioned too, like um, your room design, the box inside a box i think the room inside a room you call it mm -hmm. like that also makes it a lot easier if you have everything tucked away and you can spray and foam away in the room it makes it a lot easier than if you have your hvac and everything on the roof and you're like trying to figure out how you're going to get around stuff and behind yeah. things to clean it yeah just your overall room design can save you so much time in that but hey you know not everyone's at that stage and other people have already built facilities well, they're like learning that. as they go too right yeah so well, you could see you could see how facilities would would minimize their their cleaning areas because they're trying to maximize their growth space and set up their models for their for their sales and their profits from yeah. from cultivation. But if you take yeah. the time to plan out your facility properly and allow for the right amount of space to clean and and disinfect the facility, you're you're going to achieve better results for your your cannabis anyway. Yeah, and I'd say my other recommendation for growers who maybe are past that point, um, you know, they have their facility. You're working with what you got. It's just, you know, always look for continuous improvement. So whether that be searching for new products, um, disinfectants, or even application methods, but, you know, like it just, it's just like any, every other grower is looking at different soil, different, for like different uh, nutrients, different yeah. lighting, yeah. you know, it's another, it's a very key part of your process. Again, I mentioned it may not be the most fun, but these, a lot of these new technologies coming out and. Uh, you know, there's a lot of work being done in it to make that easier for you and to make it not yeah. a pain in the ass every time. Well, if time. it can stop a powdery mildew outbreak in a facility by killing those spores on the walls or wherever they're lying mm -hmm. that you can't see, um, it's worth it right there. Yeah, no, it d definitely can do that. But again, it's all about, like, well, one thing I'll say, it's it's a part of your process. You know, you, you if you only focus on sanitation, your HVAC is, isn't working and then you're still going to have these issues. True. Right. But assuming all the rest is better, yeah, it's it's really important, and it will get rid of you know yeah. everything you need. It's about yeah. the proactive approach. You can't it, when you see powdery mildew is not the time to start using that's the product. Too late. Like yeah. you're bailing out a ship that's sinking. You know, yeah. Yeah. you want to make sure those rooms are cleaned, disinfected. The hallways are before you bring anything in there. If you're starting with a dirty and room, the starting material, the, the yeah. clones, right, coming in from outside other yeah. facilities, they they sometimes come in with bugs, sometimes come in with powdery mildew. Yeah, and, and you know what? They're probably matter what you do they'll have a little bit of that and plants have that natural yeah. defense as well um but you know just it's about control right? it's about control like it's not just because you had you cleaned once doesn't mean you can just look the other way like you know go in the room if you see uh build up on the floor of leaves or whatever it is mm -hmm. like just clean it out it's it makes it easier if you do a little bit every day than just saving it all for the end you know some cases you're gonna have to you do your whole clean at the end but try to make it easier for yourself no, for that's sure. great man that's great hey Great advice. Um, I learned a lot. Hopefully, the listen, listeners are learning. Um, I have no more questions. Did you, you got anything, John? Nope. Seems like a no-brainer for Shield for all the reasons we've talked about, yeah. and um, we hope that the product gets into uh, every facility across Canada, from the largest to the smallest, and everyone in between. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very much. Thanks for thanks for having me. I hope I uh, yeah. was able to provide some education. Absolutely. Um, I guess for all any listeners out there, if you want more information, uh, educational or um, you know specific on the products, uh, Shield.ca is a great website. 
Uh, we have a YouTube channel as well, and then of course growhouse.ca uh, for kind of every the whole package there too. Growhouse Supply. Growhouse Supply, sorry. Yeah. And it's shield with a Y, right? Is that, yeah, is that shield your yield? S-H-Y-I-E-L-D. And yeah, it was... Uh, that's a cool name. Shield your yield. Shield that's your really... Yield. The re we had, I remember on a whiteboard, we had the, kind of the, the reasons we wanted to get in the industry. Protect your yield, quality, and the reputation. Um, you don't want to have a, um, a big write-off or a, a crop failure. Yeah. That'll hurt your reputation. So our marketing geniuses back at Virox came up with shield your yield and then condensed it to shield. Awesome. Right on, man. Hey, well, listen, we thank you for your time. First guest ever on the Cannabis Forty Five uh, podcast. I'm honored, <laughs> and uh, we'll we'll get you back if we'll there's. We'll have you back on for sure. You'll, we'll have you back on, and uh, yeah, we'll see what's new at Shield and Virox. Awesome. Well, thanks very much, guys. Thank okay. you. Thanks, bud.